Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, God's word for our consideration this morning is taken from the book of Numbers, where we read in chapter 27. I'd just like to read through that to start. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go up this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people, as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. These were the waters of Meribah Kadesh in the desert of Zin. Moses said to the Lord, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them one who will lead them out and bring them in, so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit of leadership, and lay your hand on him. Have him stand before Eleazar the priest and the entire assembly, and commission him in their presence. Give him some of your authority, so the whole Israelite community will obey him. He is to stand before Eleazar the priest, who will obtain decisions for him by inquiring of the Urim before the Lord. At his command, he and the entire community of the Israelites will go out, and at his command, they will come in. Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand before Eleazar the priest and the whole assembly. Then he laid his hands on him and commissioned him, as the Lord instructed through Moses. This is the word of our Lord. The wandering was nearly at an end. It had been, if you're familiar with the story, a very, very long haul for Moses and the people that he was leading. By God's power, he had led them out of Egypt, through that parted Red Sea, and to the land of Canaan. But then when they got there, the people got scared. They saw the size of the people in Canaan. They saw the strength of the armies there, and they were afraid. God was not happy with their fear. After everything he'd done, they were that quick to doubt his power. And so he turned them right around. And for 40 years, they had to wander the desert until pretty much every adult who was there that day had died in the desert at some point. And Moses, who was faithful, had to go with them 40 years because the people he led had let God down. And as you can imagine, those 40 years were not a bundle of laughs. Moses led the people. He spoke on God's behalf. He spoke to God on their behalf. And most of what he heard from God was very gracious. Most of what he heard from the people was complaining. Again, you would think that everything they had been through with God, there, there would have been some kind of unshakable impression on these people, but no, seems like nearly every chance they had to question God's goodness or to doubt his power they took advantage of. Nearly every chance to abandon him or rebel against him or stray away, 
they went after. I just turned 40 this year. I can't imagine what that amount of time dealing with these people was like. I, I can't even comprehend my own lifespan as it is. It was a difficult struggle for Moses, but the big payoff was finally here. That's where we pick up our reading for today. They had again reached the edge of the land God had promised. They were ready to cross in. A new generation had been raised in the desert, and they were prepared by God to take possession of this land and settle it, prepared to drive out those enemies of God within and finally get the prize they had been promised all their lives that Moses had been working all this time towards bringing them into. And as the preparations are being made, God calls Moses aside for a private word. And God says to Moses, as we read in our reading, he says, Go up this mountain in the Abarim range and see the land I have given to the Israelites. After you have seen it, you too will be gathered to your people as your brother Aaron was. For when the community rebelled at the waters in the desert of Zin, both of you disobeyed my command to honor me as holy before their eyes. In case you didn't exactly catch what God is saying here, just let me paraphrase it a bit, okay? In essence, he was saying, Moses, I want you to go up this mountain over here. I want you to take a look at this land all these people are going to get. You are not going with them. I am ending your time on earth. I am not letting you into the promised land with them because that one time a while back you got angry at the people when I told you to treat them gently. Ow. Think back over Moses' history with these people. Think back over how faithful he had been to God Think back over everything he had to put up with from them and how he was the one who almost never lost trust and faith in the Lord. And try to imagine your reaction to hearing this from God. You don't get the prize that all of these people get because you messed up once. I have a pretty good idea of myself. I'm generally a calm and rational person, but I'm pretty sure I would react before thinking this situation through, and that would mean objecting pretty strongly to how utterly and ridiculously unfair this is. How hard had Moses worked and how all these people he led just coasted by, wandering this way and that, constantly forgiven time and again when they rebelled, and now God was going to give them a pass, but Moses had to pay the price for a single mistake. We would expect anger. We would expect indignation. Why pick on me and not them? Aren't you going to hold them accountable, God? Does all my hard work for you mean nothing? But we read the reading. That wasn't Moses' response, was it? Moses replies, May the Lord, the God who gives breath to all living things, appoint someone over this community to go out and come in before them, one who will lead them out and bring them in, 
so the Lord's people will not be like sheep without a shepherd. I'm baffled every time I read that at first. Because to our, our natural human sensibilities, Moses' reply seems almost as crazy as God's judgment on Moses. Moses' first response is to worry about the people who caused him so much grief. The people who pushed him to the breaking point to do this one thing God was holding against him. I mean, really, it was their fault he got so mad, right? They were the ones complaining about water. And, and Moses, you get this chance to speak up for yourself. And what do you say? Nothing, nothing about yourself. His only concern was for the people who would go on without him. It's fascinating. Brothers and sisters, to understand Moses' response, and more importantly, to understand how Moses' response can help us, I think we need to understand, we need to examine how we might have reacted at such a turn, or, or how would we react today? And we spent the last couple weeks here talking about having that eternal perspective, about making sure that we, we feed regularly on God's word, that bread of life, so that we're always prepared to go home. And we, we've talked about the comfort of, of knowing that we're not staying here forever, and so it's okay when things here aren't perfect, because whatever it is, it'll end. We're going somewhere so much better than this. All good things. But what's your gut reaction if you found out today that this was your last day here? You're going to close your eyes tonight and it'll be over. What are you thinking? Now, I not going to judge any hearts here, but I'm going to take some educated guess based on myself here. I'm going to guess your initial reaction might be FOMO, fear of missing out. You, you have this trip coming up planned. You have this project you wanted to do. The remodel on the house isn't complete. Your son's getting married next summer. One more trip to Disney World. The next episode of my favorite TV series. I mean, I could go on and get a little more absurd as we go, but I think you take my point. We might have expected that to be Moses' first reaction, right? They all get to see this place we've talked up for how many years, and I, I don't get to see it at all. I've worked harder than anyone else here. But Moses doesn't even mention that. Not even in a, a passive-aggressive kind of way, maybe like, well, I'm, I'm sure you know best God would have been nice to see this land, but this is good too. Maybe if we can get a handle on why that didn't bother Moses, maybe we could also deal with our own fears of, of missing out when it comes to going home. So how did he do it? Well, I think Moses' response here revolves around two key truths. Number one, God wasn't wrong about him. 
Moses had disobeyed God at Meribah in the desert of Zin. God had given Moses a command on how to handle that situation, and Moses defied that command. He was, he was supposed to show God's goodness and show God's love to the people by speaking gently to the rock to bring water out of it. Instead, he yelled at the people and he struck the rock in anger. The water still came out, but the message from God that he wanted conveyed was lost. Moses defied God's word, and God's word is serious business. Breaking it just once is enough. And so Moses knew he deserved whatever God decided was appropriate. And it didn't matter what the rest of the Israelites had done. Comparing himself to them wasn't an issue. It's, it's not a matter of what judgment God might bring on anyone else. That is not in Moses' scope of authority. What happens between God and someone else is between God and someone else. What mattered was that God's judgment on Moses was just. Moses did not deserve anything from God, and that included entry into this new land. So that was number one. Moses knew this. God did not owe Moses anything. But key truth number two, God was not punishing Moses. Yes, what was going to happen was a consequence of Moses' actions, but that's not the same thing as a punishment. A consequence is a result of an action. A punishment is designed to pay a penalty to satisfy justice. Moses wasn't going to get to go into Canaan. That was a consequence. But did you notice what God said Moses was going to get in that very same sentence? He said, you too will be gathered to your people. And God didn't mean Moses' body in a graveyard somewhere alongside everyone else who went before. In fact, Moses was going to be buried completely alone by God himself. No, Moses was going to be taken to be with the people who went before him. In other words, Moses was going to heaven. Yes, there was a consequence to Moses' actions, but in the same breath that God announced that consequence, the word of God assured Moses that his sin was forgiven and he was getting eternal rest with God. So yeah, God was being unfair. It was just totally unfair in Moses' favor. Could anything on the other side of that river be better than what Moses was going to find in heaven with God? Truth to and that's what we need to remind ourselves when we struggle with being okay with letting go of this world. There is nothing that we are looking forward to down the line of our earthly lives that is better than heaven with our God. And there is no punishment for any of us either. We are forgiven because Jesus took the punishment in our place. A crime is not punished twice. Jesus bled and died where we should have. 
And it's, it's a shame for us to look at the cross and understand it's my sin that put him there. But it is a joy to know that because God did that willingly for us, we don't have to endure a fair end to our lives. Instead, God promises us a joyful, a blessed end. It is an eternity of perfect comfort and of rest from our labor here. And so with that twofold understanding that God owes us nothing and is choosing to give us heaven at the end of all this, that is why Moses didn't protest. His response was concern for the people left behind. Maybe that was your thought when you thought about going home today. Maybe when I asked you how you'd feel about that, your thought wasn't a fear of missing out. Maybe it was a fear of responsibilities you're going to leave behind. I mean, after all, I, we all have people who depend on us, right? Maybe you're an income earner. Maybe you volunteer somewhere. Maybe you're a parent. Maybe you're a friend of someone who needs it. Maybe you're a caregiver, whatever. In Moses' case, he was a leader. But again, his reaction was not, God, these people can't get by without me. Even after he'd led them the past 40 years, it said, God, just make sure someone takes care of them. And so by his trust in God, Moses understood he was not the essential shepherd for these people, but he knew they needed a shepherd. His prayer was that God replace him with someone equal to the task. And, of course, we saw here that God did just that. He appointed Joshua, and Joshua was a good leader. And the people, they didn't deserve that either. But God, in his love and care for them, saw to it that they were taken care of. That is what God does. God takes care of his people. Friends, if you struggle with worry over what you'll leave behind, understand this. It was never you. It was God working through you to get the things done he needed to for others. And when you are not here, it will still be God. God will get his work done. God is equal to every task that you leave behind. He will use other people, he will use other means, but the work will still get done. This is God we're talking about. It is safe to say, God can manage without you. And he promises that he will. He will always care for his children at all times. Brothers and sisters, if you have concerns about going home, let God put those concerns to rest. There is nothing here to regret missing out on, and God will see to every need that needs doing in your absence. Be at peace with your departure whenever God decides your time is ready. And living day to day in that peace brings us blessings every day. 
If we are confident in our eternal destination because we are feeding steadily on God's word, and if we can weather the struggles of this life because we know they won't last and something so much better is coming, if we are ready to go home at any time, in fact, looking forward to it, that means we wake up every day with everything we already need for that day. We are complete from beginning to end in the Lord. And that means we live our lives free of guilt, free of fear, free of anger, and free of regret. But mostly that means we can live with an attitude like Moses had here, where his greatest concern was for others, not himself. Set free in Christ because our eternity is assured, we can put the welfare of others before our own. And it doesn't matter who those others are. Doesn't matter how much they already have or don't have. Doesn't matter what they've done or haven't done to us. Doesn't matter what we think they deserve for what they have or haven't done. Doesn't matter how much frustration or grief they've given to us your heart filled by God with love for God can pour out that love for others in all things. To sum it all up and state it bluntly, you are a sinner who has broken God's word. You do not deserve anything from him, but you are loved by your God, loved enough that he died for you. That death and resurrection has brought you forgiveness and offers you eternal peace in, in addition to all the daily blessings our God gives us. You have everything you need from now till eternity, no matter when that turning point comes. In that eternal perspective, my brothers, my sisters, live free and share those blessings with everyone who need it. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.